Hello, hello. Guys, great to be with you tonight. Awesome to be here. Am I a foreigner? Yes, I am. Uh, I am from England, and I've made it here to America, all the way to be with you, Clemson FCA tonight. Um, well, actually, I live here. I actually live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I moved here with my family. I think we've got a picture, actually. My mate Chris has got the, the slides for me at the back. There we go. There's my family. Um, so there's my wife, Rose, and our four kids. And, uh, and we have been on this adventure of planting church in North Carolina. Why we're planting a church in North Carolina, I'll tell you more about that as we go through uh, the message today. So I'm Josh, and I'm so excited to be here. It's a great privilege to be here. I want to just thank uh, the FCA for inviting me to be here tonight. And I actually tried to come here last year. We were meant to be here in uh, February. Rose and I traveled through a hurricane, through the wind, through the rain. And, uh, and we got here after five and a half hours of traveling like this over the steering wheel. And then we had the phone call as soon as we got here to say, it's been canceled. Um, and then we were rescheduled to come in April. And then, I don't know if you heard about this pandemic thing that's been going on, um, but we got canceled again. So to be here, it's a real treat and, uh, and a real privilege. Um, but before we kind of share any more, I would just love to uh, get my wife, Rose, up on stage. So Rose, you want to just come join me? And she's going to come and share a little bit about... Um, something for you guys perhaps to be involved in the future. Sure. Hello, everybody. It is really lovely to be here. And uh, we're very grateful that you've made a space for us this evening. I do want to share something um, about something of what we do in our church. We're from a church called Freedom Church. And that church was birthed in the UK, which is where we're from, hence the accents. But we are from a church that um, started in a very small market town in England, but was burdened with this desire, this calling to go and plant churches around the world. And one of the things we recognized is that there might be other people out there with this same kind of calling, this same desire. So we got a few people together, and in 2009, we just started talking and dreaming about what would it be like to plant church? What does that mean? It's not a very common phrase in England. You don't find a lot of church planting churches in the UK, but we really got a vision for it because we just felt like there's an urgency on our lives. There's an urgency on our generation to be spreading the gospel beyond perhaps what is comfortable and what is easy, stepping out of our comfortable and going into somebody else's comfortable so that we can meet them with the gospel and so we can engage them in a conversation about Jesus. But it's, it's a big thing to plant a church. It's a big unknown thing. And what we recognized is we need to get people ready. We need to prepare people's hearts, prepare people's minds. We need to equip them with a skill set to plant church. And honestly, at the time when we were thinking about these things, we had no idea what God was about to do. But he was about to take us from this little market town in England and use us to plant churches all over the UK and then into Europe, in the Netherlands and in Cyprus and in East Africa and Rwanda and Uganda and in South Africa and India and Cambodia and all of these amazing places that we've been able to go. And now, America, we're here. 
<laughs> but we, uh, we developed this thing called the Academy. And the Academy is a year-long program where we train church planters. So we began to uh, attract people who really had a heart for mission, who had a heart for international church planting, and maybe reaching somebody from a different culture or a different religious background with the truth of the gospel, the truth that set them free personally and that they might want to share with someone else. So we developed this course, and we've been running it in the UK for 12 years now. And it's been really amazing to see people come along and get engaged in the academy. It's basically a, a leadership year where we raise people and train people to go out equipped to become active church planters wherever God calls them to be. And we have these 18 different locations around the world, but God's done something really fun in the last year and just kind of blossomed that into a whole new wave of church planting that we're involved in in our church. And one of the things we recognize was like, hey, if we're going to do this and if we're going to reach the nations with the gospel, we need people. We need people who are ready and passionate for it because some of us are in a, an area where we feel like everybody knows the gospel. You know, everybody has a church perhaps that they could access if they wanted to. We're in a culture where each of us could tap onto YouTube and find a great sermon or, or find, you know, a really great church on Google. But there are so many nations in the world where that is just not not the reality of their lives. Our brother-in-law, Josh's brother, is planting church uh, in East Africa, and he's one of the only kind of relevant, um, spirit-filled, like determined to disciple people churches in his city of millions of people. There is such hunger for the gospel. There's such hunger for relevant church in the world right now. So we didn't really know what we were doing at the very beginning, but we developed this course called the Academy. And like I say, we've been doing that in the UK for 12 years, but 18 months ago, God called us to come here. And we honestly, if I can be really honest with you guys, it's amazing to be in America, but we kind of were confused. Like America, you know, of all of these nations, we're going into Cambodia where people have never seen a Bible. They've never heard the name of Jesus. They have no idea the freedom that is available to them and the grace that the gospel holds for them. And we're going to America, but we, we realize that part of that is to extend the academy and it's to extend it from just being happening in the UK to now happening in Raleigh, North Carolina. So for some of you guys, maybe that's something that your heart beats for. Maybe your heart beats for international mission. Maybe you have a passion on your life to reach beyond language barriers or culture barriers or even reach into people who have been raised a certain way but have never heard the truth of Jesus. I just want to tell you that a few hours away, um, you know, up in North Carolina, there is a course. There's a group of us that are so passionate about equipping the church and equipping the next generation with all the schools, skills and tools they need to go and plant church. And if that is something that interests you, then we just wanted to open that invitation to you. Maybe you don't know what you're doing next year or the year after. Maybe COVID has changed things for you, or maybe God's just done something in your heart over these last few years, and you're sensing the urgency too. Maybe there's something in you that's like, I know that I want to go and be hands-on involved in something of 
growing this discipleship of Jesus around the world. Well, we're around. There's a whole group of us. If you want to come and chat to any of us afterwards, we would love to speak to you because each one of our lives in some way has been changed by doing this academy course. And we believe that God is not just tapping the shoulders of ones and twos, but he's starting to gather a whole army of people who are pumped to go and take out this truth and change the world. Like we say it, Like it's a flippant thing, but actually, guys, we really believe that that's what we're called to as Christians, isn't it? We are called to change people's worlds on our doorstep, down our roads, and on the other side of the world. So that's the Academy. If you want to come and ask us about it, all these people who are like, you know, loud and in there tonight, they would all love to answer your questions. Okay, don't be intimidated by them. Um, You know, they're ready for any questions that you have because they've each experienced the Academy either in the UK or in the US. And I just want to send a big invitation to all of you. If you want to know anything, come find us afterwards or look us up on social media because we would love to help you on your next steps of whatever God has for you if you feel like that might be to do with building the church. Thanks, Rose. Just follow the British accents behind the masks and you'll, you'll find that. Um, so, guys, um, I just, I just before we jump into this message today, um, there's, there's something about ancestry, isn't there, that fascinates us. We want to know where we come from. And, uh, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I think most families have someone in the family. Maybe it's the, the, the uncle, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your grandpa, that they're into ancestry. Have we got anyone here that like, they like putting a swab in and they send it in the post and it's not for COVID, it's for ancestry.com. Have we got any people here that have got people in their family who love family history? Yeah, there's a few people I can see. I've got one of those. I've got a few people in my family like that, actually. And my brother, the great thing is, is when a member of your family does it, is that you get to be a part of Ancestry.com without having to pay the money for it. So that really works quite well. And my brother is one of those people. And my brother, he's a big guy. and, uh, And he really believed that... We're not just British, um, but actually he thinks that there's some kind of Viking ancestry blood in there. So he's like, I'm sure of it. So he kind of swabs his mouth and he sticks it in the post and send it off to Ancestry.com. And it comes back and the results are in. And he's as British as can be. There's just, it's just solid, just on that one little island. There's just nothing else of the whole of Europe or anywhere else. It's just one place. And he was so disappointed to be so, so British. Um, but there's something that we're kind of fascinated. Ancestry.com, they're charging a lot of money for these swabs. It's like there, there's this kind of fascination with where we came from. We want to know, right, where we came from. Why do we want to know where we came from? Because we think that we'll know a little bit more about who we are, right? That's why it's like, oh, if I, if I uh, think that, you know, I've got this, uh, this Viking blood in me, that's what makes me a little bit hot-tempered or a bit aggressive sometimes. That's what it comes from because, yeah, I'm a, I've got a bit of Viking blood in me. We want to understand ourselves. So we look back at our past to try and understand who we are. And I want to take tonight a spiritual swab, okay? So don't worry, just I'm talking symbolically, so don't worry. We've had enough of swabs around here. But a spiritual swab to talk about your spiritual ancestry, to talk about your heritage, to talk about your background, to find out who you are 
you've got to look where you came from. And so I want to go to um, these verses in Hebrews 11. So we're just going to bring up this, uh, these verses in Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 2. And it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. They weren't commended for their perfect lives. They weren't commended for all the things that they did. They were commended for their faith. And I want to talk to you about these ancients tonight. Who is this verse talking about? What are the people, who are the people that this verse is mentioning? And we don't have time to read through the whole of the, uh, this chapter of Hebrews 11, but it starts to talk about these different characters of the ancients of our faith, of Abel, of Abraham, of Sarah, of Isaac, talking about these great pillars in our faith. And these, if you have confessed Jesus as Lord, you get grafted into the family of Christ and you get this spiritual bloodline. This is your heritage. This is your legacy that you're connected to. So don't worry about the Vikings. Don't worry about the heritage that you might get from Ancestry.com because this is something that's so much more powerful that we have a connection to through the blood of Jesus. And so it talks about these different characters and then it continues in verse 32. It says, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, about Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, it was faith that marked these people out. If you're writing notes, just write that. It was through faith. Just underline that. It was through faith that they conquered kingdoms. They administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. Guys, this is your family. This is your ancestry.com. These are your people, which means this is part of who you are. How cool is this? This is our heritage. They shut the mouths of lions. I mean, I think this is pretty cool. I'm kind of like proud of my ancestry here. It's like proud of my family background. And then it says, they quenched the fury of the flames and they escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. These were not perfect people. They were weak. They had their failings like you and me. But do you know what they had? They had faith. What did they have? They had, okay, you can do better than that, Clemson FCA. I know we got a mask on, but you still got your voice right. They had, okay, there you go. And so, and it, it, they became powerful in battle. They routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. This is our family. This is our heritage. This is where you come from. If you're in Christ today, if you believe in Jesus, this is your family. These, this, is, this is your legacy that you come from. We had great conquerors and overcomers. 
that quenched the fire, that shut the mouths of lion, we also have in our legacy, in our ancestry, those that paid the highest price. Those that had to give their lives for the sake of the kingdom. Refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. This is our faith. These are our people. These are the ones that were courageous. And what made them stand out, what made them shine, it was this faith that was inside of them. And I just want you to just look and just take a moment and absorb who these people were. Because when we start to understand what we come from, what's been passed on to us, this faith has gone from generation to generation from these people. And it's been passed on to us today. And then it goes on to, uh, to these verses in Hebrews 12, which I'm about to share. And if you spent any time sat in church through your life so far, you probably would have heard these very famous verses. It says in Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What amazing verses. But this, at the front end, it's talking about the cloud of witnesses. It's talking about the ancients. It's talking about these people that we have some of their names and some of them we don't. But they're stood watching. They're stood cheering. And I think about this beautiful picture of a race. Because often we read this chapter in isolation. We start talking about, therefore, such a great cloud of witnesses. And you maybe didn't read what came right before it. There was no chapter break when this was written. It was written as one narrative. But take the chapter break away. And we know this is talking about the ancients. And what it talks about in Hebrews 12 here is that there's this race marked out for you. There is your lane. There is your pathway. And it says the ancients. It's like if you're running here on the spot and this is your lane, there are the ancients and they're stood around you. Abraham, Abel, Sarah, Rahab, and they are cheering from heaven. There is this picture, even right now, FCA, right? As we hear, gather tonight, the ancients are watching on, cheering. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. This is our legacy that we come from. And they're not looking down, arms folded, disappointed, discouraged, complaining, kind of, ah, oh, do you see what they did today? So frustrating. They are cheering you on from heaven. There is this sound that wants to come tonight to lift your spirit and say you're a part of something. A part of a legacy and an ancestry that comes from this being in Christ. 
And there are a few statements that in these verses I just want to pull out for us and just give some context to. And so the first of those is this. Um, so it says, if you want to just bring up that next slide for me, please, Chris. So if you go back to the, oh yeah, okay, no, this is good. This is good, Chris. Thank you. Um, when you look back on your heritage, it puts a demand on your future. And I think that there's something about when we start looking at what we came from, it starts putting a demand on what's expected of us, right? Because we think, no, we came from great stock. It doesn't matter about your human or biological background. Your spiritual ancestry, you come from great stock. You come from a great lineage. And so when you look back at these great people that walked before us, it puts a demand upon our future. Okay, now, Chris, I'm ready. Thanks for that. Okay. So it says, let us throw off everything that hinders. And then it says, the sin that so easily entangles. That everything that hinders is not always sin. What have we got to throw off right now? What is in your world that you haven't fallen into sin, but it's something that's hindering you in your race? In the way that you're running and pursuing Jesus, there's just something that hinders you. Maybe it's career, starting to think about and focus on what that's going to be. And again, this doesn't have to be an evil thing, but it can be a hindrance if Jesus doesn't come first. And so if we start changing our perspective and throwing off what hinders as we start to focus on other things, maybe it's a love of money and material things. We've got to throw off what hinders. Our status the way that people think of us, our fears. What is it for you? What have you got to throw off that hinders you in your running, in your walk? It might not have crossed over to sin, but it's deterring you from your race that you're called to. And then he spells it out really well, the sin that so easily entangles. And I think of how... Um, I think of how this is worded and phrased, and it's so well put because if you've ever run at speed and you just the smallest thing, I was walking in the woods this morning, and you know, the smallest thing can just trip you up. And it's like that's how sin comes in and can distract you from your race, from your running. It can just entangle you, it can envelop you. What's the sin that so easily entangles you? What do you need to throw off? Because maybe it's Fear. Maybe it's coming and having something where you're so consumed with fear that it's dictating and you're stopping believing and putting faith in God. That you start putting faith in things that are in your control. Maybe it's a porn addiction. It's just such a huge issue in this world right now. And every time you start to run towards Jesus, you get entangled with this sin again. And it devours and it distracts and it discourages you. You've got to deal with that sin rather than letting it stay in your life. I think one of the things that's so rife now is compromised Christianity. Where people are starting to cohabit together and having sex outside of marriage. And it's starting to, and then going on to lead their small group in the evening. Compromising what the Bible says about 
sex or of sexual identity. Even it talks about in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, it says that they'll find teachers that give their itching ears what they want to hear. You can find any kind of doctrine you want on the internet to suit what you believe. And there's this compromised Christianity that's coming into our world that is compromised by us lining up our doctrine instead of God's word by what we want it to say. But we have to write this out of our lives so that we can run towards him. And then we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And this is just the next thing I want to pull out for us. Because there's something about fixing our eyes on him. The greatest commandment in Scripture, what is it? It's to love the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. That we're going to run after him, fixing our eyes on him. That Jesus is everything. He's over everything. That we're going to love him with all that we are. That means that we need to fix our eyes on him, not just our next relationship. Not just be thinking about, oh, that girl, that's just everything I'm about right now. I'm just running after that relationship. And then it'll be another one the next month. But fixing our eyes on Jesus first over anything else. And as we run like that, we run with a freedom. We run with a purpose. Fixing our eyes not on our overseas placement this year, not on when we can travel again, not on our sports career, but fixing our eyes on Jesus himself. And the last phrase I just want to pull out from these verses says, let us run. Okay, let us run. Because I think about this, this, this wording and this, this phrase, and it just brings to mind for me this explosive energy with the way that we're meant to pursue Christ. Is that, and I think sometimes, right, as Christians, it's like, let us walk. It's like, we're coming after you, Jesus, but, oh, I've just seen something nice over here, and I'm a bit distracted, and I just carry back on, back on. It's, like, it's meant to be a race. You're meant to be running. There's meant to be purpose to the way you move. I think sometimes, you know, we can even, you know, some of those people, they just, they kind of break into a power walk. It's like, whoa, now they're going... And now they've, you know, started to really move and get somewhere. But we're meant and we're called to run. We're called to run. And there's this energy that comes with running, right? There's this movement. There's this dynamism. And that's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. That's what we're called to do. Don't just take a nice leisurely stroll. Don't just walk. Don't just even power walk, but run after him. Go after Jesus. And FCA, if I can implore anything tonight to encourage you to, I just encourage you, run after him harder. Love him more. Give him more of yourself. You'll never regret that. But if I could have the next slide, Chris. One of the things I believe about ministry because I think about how sometimes when we run and when we think about giving it all for Jesus and I'm running after him, and I'm living my life 24-7 for Christ, it looks like going into ministry. And I remember first hearing this phrase when I first started, you know, coming over to America and having some friends here. I said, yeah, I really feel called into ministry. I just didn't get it. I was just, I don't understand. 
what they meant was, I want to work for a church. And I just thought, you know, for me growing up, my dad's the senior pastor of our church, and I'd seen my dad have uh, uh, businesses right through being a pastor. So he would, um, he had a glass factory, he would be selling windows, um, he would even go into uh, selling sheds, um, and all of this while having ministry at the weekends, doing church on the side. And uh, I remember he even owned a pet shop at one point while he was being a pastor. This is uh, like ministry, looking after people and the animals. Just incredible. Um, and, and so I thought growing up, I would never, I, I didn't understand that I'd be a pastor, that I'd be a paid pastor. I didn't even know that was a job. I wanted to be in the army. I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be a doctor. Because I thought if you work for a church, then it looks like wearing a robe in England and uh, going to one of those old buildings. And so I thought that's, that's what it looks like to work for a church. But we've got to divorce our idea of ministry being an occupation, right? Imagine this hand, so we're the body of Christ, right? Imagine if this hand is the only part of the body that can do ministry, because it's the only part the body can employ. It's the only part that we can get blood to, that we can send life to. So the hand is the only one empowered to look after the body and to look after the world. There's something really disempowered about that image, right? There's something not right about it because we're missing the purpose that all of the body is called. But I think that we've often been deceived and think that some, most people are called to support and some people are called to minister. Where I believe what the Bible says is that we are all called to minister, that we are all parts of the body, that we all have a value part to play in bringing ministry to one another and to this world. And so I want to say to you, right, that instead of going into ministry to be a runner, you might feel stirred tonight. I want to be this runner. I want to run with purpose and passion and run after the things of the kingdom of God. I want to be used for mission. Instead of just going into ministry, allow ministry to go into you. And I want to encourage you, FCA, that God can use you where you're at right now. He doesn't need you to go and get a job for a church. He can use you right now in your campus. He can use you right now in your friendship group, in your family. And I am a testament to that. I've seen it through people all around the world. Our church is just this. I, I, we're from a city called Hereford. Has anybody heard of Hereford in the room? Yeah. You, well, okay, we got one over there. Fantastic. It, guys, it's not a very famous city, okay? So if I said London, London, you heard of London? Okay, yeah, we've got a few Londoners in the room. Um, but Hereford, not so much. We're from an insignificant place. You could say it's like Nazareth. It's like Bethlehem. It's like one of those places that nothing comes out of. But what happened is that we got a faith that God could use us to change this world. And we were in a small congregation, just 200 people. And we started saying, let's reach out to some cities around us. And we didn't have a big name or we didn't have some kind of big strategy where we could just see people just flood in through the doors. 
we just went into the streets and invited people to our church. And people started to come and get saved. And it started to blow our minds that God could really use us as naive as we were, as inexperienced as we were. But we said, we believe in you, God. We believe in your strength within us. And as we stepped into that, God started to use us. And then we started to plant church, not just in the UK, but then into Africa, into Asia, around the world. And we're from this little insignificant place where it's under-resourced, that's not enough people, not enough leaders, that breaks all the rules about how you should church plant. But we said, it's not about us and our limitations, God. It's about you and your greatness. And if we trust you and we believe in you, then nothing's impossible because it's through faith. I just want to bring that next slide up. That faith plus perseverance can change the world. That it's not faith plus perfection. Because, hey, guys, I'm still, I'm still a work in progress here. I'm still on the way myself. You know, we are all on that journey. But if we persevere and we keep running and we keep fixing our eyes on Jesus and we utilize this faith that's within us, we can impact our world. And yes, that's the nations, but it's also the world that's immediately on your doorstep, the friends that are in your life. Clemson University, South Carolina, your roommates, whatever it might be, that God can use you to impact your world, to change it, if you allow him to minister through you. And there's this whole thing, what the ancients were commended for was faith, okay, this faith. And we know that Jesus says, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a whole mountain. And that's just immense, isn't it? It's just incredible. It's like when you're a Christian, when you accept Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit in your life, it's like you got fitted with a V8 engine right in your spirit right here. And it's like some of us, we just use it like it's an electric bicycle, And it's like, you've got all this capacity and acceleration within you. And it's just got to be accessed. I just want to show you my scale of faith here with a little bit of emoji use. Right, okay, so I've got my scale of faith. I love a good emoji. And uh, I've got my my car one, okay? Because this is parking space faith. Have we got any parking space faith level people here? It's it's when you're really starting to step out in your relationship with God and you're um, going to the Clemson game and there's not a parking space anywhere and you intercede to God in that moment and say, God, I need this space, please. And it opens up. Have you been there? Have Have you done that? Yeah, parking space faith. I've been there. God's come through for me. It's like I believe in him. I trust in him for my parking space. Yeah, it works. It's a real thing, guys. So you just you just started to you know started to go on the scale there, uh, and it's just kind of starting off. Then it's like, okay, I didn't revise enough for this test. God, you've got to come through for me here. You've got to help me out. God, give me the questions that I did revise for. And so this you starting to you starting to work your way up the scale now. You're starting to accelerate. The gas is coming on. Okay. And then maybe you'll start, you've a little bit, you spent a bit too much money this month, and you say, God, I need provision. God, I'm asking you. I'm asking you, God, please provide for me. Please provide. And so all of a sudden, you see money coming into your life. God blesses you, and you just can't explain it. 
Have you had some people like that where God's provided? Yeah, where you've seen money come into your life? And so we start to see an increase in faith. I believe in God and trusting Him for more. Then it's like my, my yellow lady here. Um, we're believing for that relationship. And it's like, oh, I just pray that they make eye contact with me. It's like, just they're going to let me know that they like me too. I'm just going to give them eye contact. That's what I did with Rose. I just kept looking. She's going to look at me in a minute. Um, and so there's something about just, bring, I, I believe for it. God, you can do it. It just feels so out of my limits, but you can do it. And then praying for our future college degree or our, our, our career that God would just give us the opportunities that we're asking for. And as you see, it's like you just go up the scale. You believe in God for more. But in that scale of faith, right, if you look right at the other end, we've got the mountain being moved. We've got the healing happening. We've got the salvation to that friend who just declared they were an atheist. It's like you've just got immense, incredible things happening. But it's like, where are you on that scale of faith? Because the ancients, guess what they were doing? Why are they commended for their faith? It's like they are believing that God is really who he says he is. And I want to encourage you, FCA, that wherever you are on that scale of faith, maybe you just believe God for the small things for you personally. I just want to encourage you, start believing him for others in your life. You might not feel like you've got mountain-moving faith prayers right now, but start to believe him for more. Start to put your foot on the gas because there is capacity within you to believe, to trust. And when you believe in God, it pleases him. It says in Hebrews that it's impossible to please God without faith. So that there is something, when you finally trust in him, when you stop carrying that burden yourself and you give it to him, it pleases God. But how do we live this out? How do we work this out in our world? I just want to tell you a couple of stories. And this is my brother, George Rose actually mentioned him earlier. Um, this is him in Rwanda when I was visiting him um, a year and a half ago. George, when he was, um, he was actually part of our first ever church plant team at age 19 and he went out into this capital city, lived to, and just made friends with people, connected them, evangelized them on the streets, and started to build church community. And he just did an amazing job of that in the UK, so much that we sent him to Cambodia, which is in Southeast Asia next to Thailand. I say that because I, when we were going there as a church, I had absolutely no idea where it was, so I had to look it up. So if you've never heard of Cambodia, that's where it is, Southeast Asia, next to Thailand. And we sent him to be a part of our church plant team there in a nation of Buddhism where they do not have the gospel, where they don't know the story of Noah. They, they don't have those, um, those heritages that we would have here in the West, okay? And he starts to share his faith with people, and they start to build a church community from nothing, just reaching people, just handing out flies. Hey, you've got to come along to this church we're starting. And people just started coming and getting saved. And my brother was in a restaurant, and he was with some friends, and he, he just felt the voice of the Holy Spirit as he was talking to his friends, saying, you've got to cross the room and go and speak to these guys. And so 
the whole kind of time, the Holy Spirit's just prompting him, saying, go over there. Go. Have you ever had that where the Holy Spirit just prompts you? And so they're about to leave. He's like, I've got to act on this. And he crosses the room and has this conversation with these guys. And it leads him into this friendship with this guy. And I'm just going to bring up uh, a picture of him. This uh, next slide, please. And this is Che Den. And would you believe it? He was a drug dealer. I know it will come as a shock. Um, but they're, they're, this guy, okay, was living a broken life. And he was involved in all kinds of sin. And my, my brother befriended him and connected with him. He told him the gospel. He introduced him to Christ. And he, he ended up going on a journey of giving um, up all of his drugs, of stopping drug dealing, of being disciple, coming on our production team. Shout out to production team. And, uh, and that's where he got discipled, was serving. Okay, this is a picture now of Jaden with his family. And he's got three kids. Guys, this is just over the last six, seven years, okay? But he's now, Jaden, he's been discipled, raised up as a leader in our church. And then this is a picture of our church community in Simreep in Cambodia. And Jaden and Vo Lee, his wife, who was also a Buddhist, never known Jesus, never knew the gospel, they're now the pastors of this church community here in Simreep. That honestly, guys, when I was uh, when I was at college age, I never even knew the place existed, and now we have this miraculous story that where Jesus is wanting to touch people on the other side of the world. Why? Because someone's got faith to say, "I believe God, you can use me." My brother didn't have a seminary degree. He wasn't paid member of staff out in Cambodia when he moved there. He had to fund himself. He went and witnessed to people with what he had. He befriended them. He showed them the love of God. And he saw this, not just this guy, but his whole entire family saved. And now they've been raised up to be the pastors and now are carrying the mantle for that nation. Now my brother's moved to Rwanda and doing it over there. And where he's just raised up a pastor there, now he's moving to Kenya and doing it in Nairobi. Because why? Because of faith. He's a great guy. He really is. But it's not about him. Because he'll be the first to tell you, I didn't have the words to say the first time I, I went up to this guy. But I believe that God could use me. That's why I got on that plane and said, God, I trust you. I'm excited for you guys going to Charleston. Because you can start even acting in this where it's like, God, you can use me. I can step out. I can speak to people. I can share who you are. Because as you start to exercise that muscle, it's like you start to put your foot on the gas and believe him for more, then you get confidence that God can use you even further. I just want to tell you one more story, um, just about these, this next couple. Um, these are my friends, Luke and Soph. And, uh, and they were a part of our academy program, and they came on our academy and trained up, learning about church planting, learning about who they are in God. And uh, they actually went on to be a part of a couple of church plant teams. Luke actually went on to go and be a part of our church plant team that helped set up in Cambodia. And then um, what happened is we had this heart for India. And, uh, and this, this nation, which is, um, you know, mostly Hindu, 
and so much brokenness, so much lostness there. We just had a heart as a leadership. Man, we need to send some people over. And we had this young couple, and they just got married. They were married for one month, and they had put themselves forward to be the pastors of our church in India. These guys were 22. They were both 22. They were married for one month. First year of marriage. Okay, they're not just taking some time to themselves and, you know, just starting to think about their career and get a nice home and get all the things you want. They said, no, it's for the kingdom. And they got on a plane, and it was the first time Soph had ever been um, to, to uh, this city called Chennai with 11 million people. And as they flew in to this city that she'd never been to before, they looked out on the window, seeing just the millions of people knowing that God had called them to start something from nothing. Over the last five years, they've raised up local pastors. They've built an amazing congregation. They've had to baptize people in secret for fear of being found out by radical Hindus that would shut the church down and kick them out of the country. And now they're pastoring a church in the UK. But what they decided, right, at age 22, not dissimilar to a lot of people in this room, right, is that God can use us. That God can use you. That's what I want you to know tonight. That this isn't just about a certain status or certain reputation, but actually it's about faith. It's about believing that God can use you. And that's one of the things, guys, that I believe so strongly with all my heart for every person here, that if you allow yourself and you make yourself available and you say, God, here I am, send me, that he will raise you up for his purposes. It's why me and my wife are here in America, as Rose mentioned, is that we sold everything we had and we brought our four kids over here because we believe so strongly in the people of this nation that they would go on to change the world. That there is such wealth and richness here. What we've done is planted almost 20 churches in the last 10 years with just a tiny group of people. And God started to speak to us. What about raising up more people that are mobilized and ready to go, ready to see this world changed and impacted? I just want to uh, share this verse from Hebrews 12. It says, our God is a consuming fire. And I think of this verse that our God is a consuming fire, how I think sometimes when we go uh, to, to church or we come into an environment like this, it's like God is a fire and it's like, oh, I'm feeling a bit cold. It's like, this fire is quite quite nice. Just warms me up that little bit. And I can just, you know, leave the fire there and go about in my business and go about what I've got on this week. Or maybe we come to the fire. You know how like when there's a campfire, it kind of flickers and it's kind of like campfire TV. You can just watch it. And sometimes we like to treat God like that where we can just be entertained by the fire. But the fire of God, it was never meant to be that way, guys. It was never meant to be that way. Our God is a consuming fire. It's meant to burn you up. It's meant to take all of you, heart and soul, spirit and strength. That's who God is. So I just want to encourage you to come and be consumed by the Spirit of God. And I want us to take us back just to, as we close out now, and just this image of the ancients, of these 
people around us cheering from heaven while you run your race, while you head to class this week, while you go visit your family, while you go to the grocery store, they're cheering you on. But all those generations, all the ancients, they've passed before us. But what they do is they reach out and they pass the baton onto you. And they're saying, will you run? Will you take this message? Will you take this purpose? Will you take this vision into the nations? And I want to encourage you tonight that this call is coming to take your place with the ancients. And it's like, will you come and take your place, FCA? Will you come and reach out and grab that baton of mission, of vision, of purpose, of life, of hope, of the gospel that changes and transforms this world? You've got to take it and you've got to run with it. And there'll be another generation that comes behind you. And will you be able to say, I passed it on to them. I ran my stretch. So I would just love to pray for us as we finish up this message. And I pray, God, that you stir our hearts, Lord, to believe you for more. Lord, that we would have faith like the ancients, Lord. Knowing, Lord, that you can use us if we step out, if we're willing. If we say, God, Lord, our life and our heart is yours. And I just want to pray for a particular group of people tonight that if you feel stirred and called to action off the back of this word, if you feel like even tonight, it's like I don't want to just be casually walking to Jesus any longer. I want to run after him. I want to be consumed with the Spirit of God. I want to be consumed by his purpose and his kingdom. I just want to ask you to stand where you are so I can pray for you. If that's you and you just feel stirred to want to respond to this message tonight, would you just stand where you are? I'd love to pray for you. Amen. And one of the things that as I was preparing this message, that God said to me, this isn't only about the ancients that have gone before us in Scripture, but it's about the legacy of family that we have. And I believe that there are some people here where you've got ministry in your family, where you've had people who have pastored. Maybe it's your father. Maybe it's a grandparent. But there are those that have gone before you and their prayers even now are for you. And they're imploring you, will you run tonight? Will you grab hold of this baton? Will you run with it? Will you run with this vision and this purpose? If that's you as well, I'd just love for you to stand up. If you just feel stirred about the legacy of your own family and your own calling, just stand right now and I'm just going to pray for you. Amen.
Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, so much, God. Lord, for these people, Lord, tonight, Lord, who are reaching out to heaven and saying, God, Lord, that they want to come and grab hold of this purpose, of this faith, and believe in you with everything that they are. I pray, Lord, that your fire would come so strongly tonight and it would consume them. It would burn within them. And God, that they would run, God, with purpose. They would run with life. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that even this fresh anointing would come tonight of your spirit to run with all that they are. In your name, Jesus. Amen.